Hello, hello. Welcome back for another episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders. Daniel and Josh, as always, locking it in here at the end of week three of six, covering season six. And as always, spoiler alert to follow. You've got to be able to have watched season six, episode three, to follow along. And the only way to do that, if you're not living in the UK, we've repeated ourselves a ton, but I'll fire it at you one more time. ExpressVPN is the answer. We've partnered with ExpressVPN, so you can use the special Peaky link in the show notes. Try expressvpn.com slash Peaky in order to change your IP address so that BBC's website thinks you're watching from London and then everything else is free and easy and you can watch it. So go ahead and give that a shout. Also, Josh and I have uh, just recorded our weekly deep dive into the episode on our Patreon, patreon.com slash by order of Peaky. And Josh, I'll tell you what, we had a great fan and uh, a guy named Michael who asked a question real quick about, hey, I just downloaded the Express VPN. Something's having an issue. He emailed me on Tuesday at 521. And I responded like nine minutes later because I, I like to keep my updates on. And he said, hey, thank you for the answer. It's working now. Just for responding so quickly, I'm going to subscribe to the Patreon. So we love that. Love we, that. Love, we love our Patreon subscribers. That's the way that Josh and I can, uh, you know, give it our all and continue to, uh, you know, pay for the expensive gas out there. But let's start off. We're going to do it a little bit, a little bit of a backwards today. We're going to start with the listener feedback right off the bat, then kind of get into and have that drive our discussion about this golden episode um, of television here that honestly is surprisingly mixed reviews among Peaky fans, which Josh and I are floored about because we've loved it. We've expressed that. You can listen to our instant reaction. But Josh, we can start off with this note. And we talked a little bit about it on Monday. And Jonathan says, I love the podcast, watching the show via VPN. So we love to hear that too. He said, I'm getting Cersei and Jamie vibes from Gina and Uncle Jack. Any thoughts and predictions on this? And so we can dive a little bit deeper, I think, on what our expectations are of the characters of Gina and Jack and whether they're just going to be secondary or they're going to maybe take a little bit more of a center stage like the Lannisters. We had kind of discussed this on the instant reaction pod. You know, we didn't want to get too into it because we wanted to save it for the mailbag episode. But I think we can kind of consensus agree that that's just kind of Gina's personality. She's bubbly. She's friendly. She's flirtatious. And I just don't think that she can change how she acts. And I mean, it's a very loving relationship between her and Uncle Jack. I just don't think it's going to rise to the level of incest like we, like, like the Lannisters, you know, kind of rose to, which we saw with, uh, you know, Cersei and Jamie. But you really never know. But I think that just the time period, you know, they're really wasn't incest you know going on as we saw you know as as there was in the 1500s through the 17 1800s so i i just think also if you're taking the you know the historical context into account and where we are in 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 that period of time then kind of ruling that out but you really never know i mean gina's crazy these people are crazy we've seen them step outside the lines of realism to other kind of things, especially you know, we're dealing with gypsy magic and whatnot. So really can't rule it out. I don't know, but that's, that's a good catch. I caught that instantly when they were kind of, you know, walking into that room, locked arm in arm being very giggly. Yeah. It was interesting. Cause you know, obviously the, the only Gina that we've seen in this season so far has been like a very drunk, deranged, depressed, 
off the you know rails kind of Gina. And in this scene, I don't know whether Jack threatened her or was like, hey, we need to keep our shit together. She was very composed. She didn't fly off the, the rails. That's kind of a spot where you can lose some leverage, right? In a negotiation scene. And of course we're talking about the scene in episode three with Ada stepping in for Tommy with Diana and Oswald along with Jack and Gina. But I'm gonna go ahead and throw something out here. And I know I'm risking my reputation of, of, of right predictions in the Gina Michael um, thread. But I think, and this is, I feel like very bold. I think Gina is going to stay faithful to Michael in this season. I, I don't know why. Something tells me that she is going to play maybe a flirt, but I don't, I don't foresee except maybe like a, you know, the Stephen Graham character. Like there aren't many like eligible bachelors on this show. I guess there's some of the younger boys, but like they're all like very close to Michael. So that doesn't feel like something unless she goes way out of the box, like in London. That feels like, you know, I think I like the, I like the way that you're going there, Jonathan. And I think the tones might be there, but I'm not, and I'm not anticipating anything further from, from Gina and Jack. I just think that it would also be like a waste of a plot in such a jam packed season. Like you have so much other stuff to cover. Why waste it on this plot that is barely going to last? Like what, what, like what would be the purpose just to show that they're crazy? Yeah, I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. But, and Jack seems way too composed, right? Like he's shown so much composure so far this season. All of his lines are very well methodically thought out and everything like that. Yeah, and plus he kind of flirts with Ada a little bit, you know, asking if he if she has a man. And Gina doesn't like. I feel like if there was incest inherent in there, and they were gonna kind of draw that out a little more, the camera would have panned to Gina, seeing her kind of you know scoffing at it or being a little jealous. But we didn't see that really when that happened. So. Good thought. Maybe it's true, but I, I just don't think so. All right, let's move over to our favorite email of the week. And it's not like a prize or anything, but I'll be honest. This week, Josh, we got five listener responses about this episode, and we want you to keep on piling on. Hey, if this episode every week is a mainly mailbag, that's completely fine. And that's exactly the way that I want our community to kind of come together here in this final season. But Anna is paying attention. I love this. Ready for this? Hey guys, love the podcast. Something that stuck out to me during this episode was when Tommy shows up to the hospital after Ruby had passed and Lizzie screams, where were you? Where the fuck were you? It was nearly the same exact scene as the season two finale at the Epsom races when Tommy was late to shoot the field marshal Henry Russell attacking Lizzie and she screams, where were you? Where the fuck were you? Great writing by Stephen Knight. Spot on. What a Spot catch. On. I mean, that's one, of, that's one of the best mailbags we've ever gotten. I, I, I have to tip my cap, you know, take a bow. That is an amazing catch. Almost identical to 2-6. It's funny, we just broke down 2-6 and we didn't catch that. And just, I, just identical. And the, the parallelism of that, Stephen Knight, bravo, brilliant. Just those things, those little subtle little drop-ins that Stephen Knight puts into the script. Just so well done. And well done by Lizzie. I mean, that's a side note, just amazing acting. Where the fuck were you? Where were you? And that's, I think that's probably why you and I were so um, not locked in to like the callback because I, I was, was yeah. I was transfixed by the scene. Yeah. It, it had yeah. me I, like, a, like a theater performance where you're sitting there like, oh my goodness, this is perfection. And it was so well done. Really two well people, done, but just two yeah. people in the whole scene. It's like two people oh. and Tommy doesn't even say a word. Right. Doesn't say a word and it's better than any word he's like ever said, really. Just, just amazing acting, but really great catch. I, I, I couldn't agree more. 
I haven't invented the words, Josh. Um, I haven't invented the fucking words. And you know what? That leads me into a question that Angie, our friend over at uh, Peaky Blinders Season 6, put up a poll on their Instagram saying, do you think that Lizzie will leave Tommy? And we talked a little bit of this on Monday. Do you think they'll take a break? Do you think they'll try to work through it together? I, I think, I, I don't know if Lizzie's going to be around for the rest. I, I wouldn't put it past Stephen Knight. And I think it would be maybe for the betterment of the show Plot wise, prediction is that it your might be. Prediction? I think I think I'd rather Lizzie and Charlie kind of hit the bench for the rest of the season. Okay, that's interesting. I don't think that's gonna happen because Stephen Knight has put Lizzie such in the center You're right. of Tommy's yes, plot yes, development. Yes. Yeah, that I don't think that he's just gonna abandon her. Maybe for like an episode. Maybe well, there's maybe, only maybe, three more episodes. Maybe six four. We don't see her really yeah. at all. You know that happens a lot in the show. Like we we didn't really see Arthur for three epi- for the first two episodes of Montel right. three but uh that's that's definitely something i don't think that she's gonna leave tommy i mean this is her life like what like this is this is really it for her yeah so, but i could see her kind of being like hey tommy don't come home for a while you know like yeah, you kind of no, definitely you maybe over they can go on a on a quote-unquote break of some yeah. sorts that's that's how us millennials uh yeah ever since it. friends right yeah exactly they kind of go on a break so um Maybe maybe that happens, but I don't think they like get a divorce or anything. Once again, there's not enough time to kind of develop that plot. All right, here's a good one. Um, Sip T, who is one of our most loyal Patreon subscribers, says, Morning from the Midlands in UK. And this is, get ready for this one. Your question about Tommy in the hospital when he keeps saying they are punishing us and they wouldn't let me pass. In the first episode of the season when he was in the mud, he talked to his mother and said, let you and said they let you pass they wouldn't let me pass as if there's to be a consequence he is so desperate to die as he thinks everything's is his fault but they won't let him pass to the other side because that would be too easy i like that i like that a lot it goes on really, a little bit really, more first of all that that's brilliant yeah really deep and i once again couldn't agree more like that's such a good catch the references to his mother signify his like lust for death and his lust to get away from just life in general. I, I just, once again, I couldn't agree more with that, with that sentiment. We have cash. smart, we have smart listeners. We have, no, I love you it. You guys are awesome. And I appreciate you guys dropping these mailbags for us because, you know, we're not perfect. And, you know, this show is only as good as our, as our fans are. So we, we really appreciate that because that's such a good catch. And I, I'd always wondered, you know, I'm kind of like, what are these references? You know, he's, he's referencing his mother. You and I didn't really like the father plot earlier in the show. You know, oh, yeah, we, that terrible episode. We've, right. We've gotten a lot of reference to, the, to his mother in the last couple of years. And I do agree that whenever he mentions his mother, he's contemplating suicide. He's contemplating death and he can't escape because in a way, you know, God's karma in his mind is having him live with the with the consequences of his actions and that's exactly what he's been doing the last two seasons so that one's that one's really well done and remember b-o-o-t peaky blinders at gmail.com or you can you know message us on facebook facebook.com slash peaky podcast we're on twitter as well um Lisipti had one more thing and this was about our coronavirus uh comparisons from the season and she said i don't think that this episode is linked too closely to coronavirus on purpose but Stephen Knight has referred to the uncanny parallels between history and today. And you can say it's parallel to what happened with Trump, what's happening with Russia, and the masks, the treatment of, are indicative of the time and the new breakthroughs in medicine. Tommy's going to try anything he can for, to, to break the gypsy curse. 
no Polly to talk to or advise. And then she says, I'm loving it all. I'm missing the old gang and the streets of Small Heath, though. But can't wait to see Gina, Oswald, Diana, and Michael be brought down by Tommy. That's exactly what I said in the instant reaction. I said, I don't know if Stephen Knight is trying to cringily, I don't even know, cringe, is, is cringily a word? Cringily um, include. That feels like a, yeah, like a Gen yeah. Z word, right? So is, I don't know if Stephen Knight is trying to cringily input these COVID undertones. I alluded to the fact that this is what was happening during the time. People were questioning science. People were accepting science. And there were those, you know, kind of split down the middle who didn't know what to believe. It was kind of the break of uh, the breakthrough of modern medicine, really. And uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's what Stephen Knight's trying to do. I don't think he's really intentionally trying to be super cringe about it. And then uh, we have one more thing. Details about this Boswell Barwell mix up. But you know what we're going to do? I'm going to save that one for the Patreon. So that's just going to be a little bit of an exclusive and an email doing a deep dive into the comparisons and maybe a mistake or not a mistake. We talked a lot about the Barwell and the Boswell situation. Um, and then our last one is with Chris. And this is also, I think three for three or four for four for four, but three for four, really. One of the emails was okay. The other three were bomb. Chris says, Hey guys, first off, love the pod, which like, it just feels good. I mean, like, Josh, when we get Love people, that. just tell us that they like it. It's so cool. And he said, the song that plays when Tommy finds out Ruby died is called 517 by Tom York. Crazy. And 517 is the time that Lizzie says Ruby died. And she repeated it like three times. So I knew there was going to be some sort of, I thought it was going to be a Bible reference. Like, I don't know, something like that. But it says, it, the yeah. show just doesn't miss when it comes to music. Doesn't miss, ever. I mean, this is a, a nice opportunity to to plug an old episode, to listen to 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 the Ode to Peaky uh, Peaky soundtrack. soundtrack episode. Oh yeah, that's that, way back. That I, way back. That's one of my favorite episodes. We can probably even do a new one. I mean, it's been a great music season this year with uh, the, the 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 song Slack. Was it by Analog? Is that who it was? Autolog maybe. Autolog at the end in the credits. Amazing song. Five seventeen. I mean, like Stephen Knight. Like he. It's crazy how he does this and a lot of it will go unnoticed from the casual fan who's not going to go and do the research at the songs, but right. to look up that song and, and to intentionally place that song into that scene. Brilliant. This show does not miss with music. There was an, there was an another, uh, there was another like heavy metal song in this, in this episode that was really great. I mean, I can ramble and ramble about a lot of the songs, but this show does not miss. It doesn't. And uh, once again, we've gotten to our, our fun segment here, winners and losers. I'll recap the first two weeks where Josh and I are going with a bit of a survivor style. You cannot repick anybody that you decide that you want to go with. Um, Josh went with Tommy week one as the winner, Ada week two, and his losers were Gina and then Ruby. And, and that Ruby uh, loser did not age uh, too poorly, um, unfortunately. And then for me, Gina and Diana were my winners. And Jean-Claude, the guy that got beat up by Tommy and Michael, have been my losers. Um, such a cop-out, but it's fine. What, Jean-Claude? Yeah, such a cop-out because you know that you're not going to use him again the rest of the season. I know, but, but you, you, you picked Tommy as a winner in, in, the, in the first episode. So we don't need to – we're going to hold our bullets here and throw, don't throw stones in glass houses. Um, I'll get us started, though. Um, and go, go right off the bat with my winner of the episode. And I, uh, I had a really tough decision between two characters. And I wanted to keep that theme of three straight women going. Uh, but Esme just was 
not that much of a winner, you know, maybe if she gets the gold. So I'm going to go Hayden Stag and obviously okay. talking your way out of like a massive beating and, yeah. and like making us feel emotions as audience members, like Stephen Graham did hats off. I mean, what a brilliant performance there. No, that's, I want to say I, Graham, but I'll go with Hayden Stag. Absolutely amazing performance. I was in awe of that acting job by Stephen Graham. And then also in awe of the character from literally walking away from death and a Peaky Blinder. I mean, you never walk away from a Peaky Blinder beating and you walk away unscathed. That does not happen. So that's a very good choice. My choice relative to that scene is actually Arthur. Yeah. Arthur is a big winner in my books for this episode because one, it looks like he's, you know, getting off the junk and getting a little bit clean, getting his head straight, head on his shoulders, walking in a straighter line, doesn't, you know, perform that senseless and useless beating that he has in the past, you know, kind of takes Hayden Stagg's words to heart and kind of agrees, hey, I, I need to walk a straight line. I need to get on a good path and I need to, you know, get my shit together. And I think that he's kind of getting a clearer sense of mind. And I think that that's why he's, you know, going to be a focal point of the season going forward. And for that reason, not only is Arthur my winner, but Paul Anderson's my winner because we, we, we got Paul Anderson back and, and, and he's an amazing actor that deserves more than just one or two scenes in the show. Yeah. And if, if Arthur can stay clean, I am so excited for these last three episodes, even if he kind of falls off the deep end in the finale, like give us two episodes of like clean Arthur cooking and just doing his thing and maybe working together with Hayden. I would very much like that in the trailers there was certainly the perception that Stephen Graham's character was going to be a, a villain of sorts. So I'm still not a hundred percent sold that he will be a good guy. Um, nonetheless, it goes right into the losers. Do you want to go first here? So I don't, I don't want to steal your loser. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Oswald Mosley. Darn. Dang it. Was I, was that your loser? It was, but I'll, I'll we can, we one. can have co-losers. It's fine. Okay. So we're both, it has to be Oswald because he got, I mean, yeah. Emasculated right. in the conversation. Yeah. That's the first time that we saw him worried, kind of scared, and weak in a, in a way. He was the weakest one in the room. He took back seat to Ada, to, to Diana, and to Jack Nelson. I guess also yeah. to Gina didn't really speak much, but he, it's the first time we saw a little hole in his master plan. You know, Tommy's not there. He's not there to do the talking. You know, he didn't really say much to Jack Nelson. He seemed kind of intimidated by Jack Nelson a little bit. I don't know if that has to do with, you know, the perception of the Americans back then. I don't know. Maybe the fact that he's like a, a heavy gang member, uh, member. But first time seeing Oswald Mosley shaking in his boots a little bit, that's why he's my loser. And it could be the, the sign that he is, you know, faltering a little bit on his plan. I don't know about faltering it just feels like he's not as in control as he wants to be that's the way i kind of saw crisp and confident as right. he was that's exactly what it is yeah i don't i just don't know how much control mosley has of the situation anymore like diana feels like she's in a little bit of control obviously diana's gonna and that's more of an assumption right that diana i think is going to uh fall for tommy's spell and that might be how the season kind of ends because tommy's able to instead of turning oswald he turns Diana. So like that, you know, that's one way it could go. Um, but those, yeah, that's kind of a dual. My, the, the other option I would have gone with was Finn. Cause it really feels like Finn is 
a complete second thought now. Like he Yeah, is, I mean, we get some Isaiah in there. He's yeah. badass and older. And, and, and instead of having Finn come along, they have Isaiah's cousins come. That's, that's the kind of point right. I was going to bring up. I, I, I just really think he's getting weeded out of the family business just intentionally because, A, maybe he's the reason, he's the, the reason why. Maybe they know that he's the black cat and, or, or he slipped word to, to be a grade and kind of ruined the whole plan at, in 5-6, end of season 5. But uh, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how much we actually see him because we know he's in the season. So, And he's actually being credited in the last two episodes. So that's where it's like I'm, I'm confused a little bit that he got – I wonder – I don't know. It has to just be a situation. That, there's no way he's like lurking in the background. They wouldn't do that to a big character like that. Something's going on. He's somewhere. And we're going to find out. Um, but I want to hear your guys' predictions – if you want to let us know here in the next couple of days, or more importantly, just fire it away after Sunday, give us your feedback, get, get us all geared up for the next mailbag. And uh, if you well, guys are winners and losers, go ahead and yeah, hit, hit us mean, with those too. Before we sign off too, you got any bold predictions? I don't really have any like bold predictions to really go off on this episode. I mean, I, I mean, if I don't, it's not like a bold prediction, but I definitely assume that episode four is going to be like 90% Tommy and his mission you know like i don't think we're gonna get much other noise other than like we're gonna get they're gonna move down the field in in some football terms about you know whether tommy gets the job done as his little spy next right, I think that, that's my guess more plot development and the whole political political yeah. development you know what i mean yeah like we're gonna get a lot of that we, we Tommy had to handle his business with ruby we get it tragic sucks if you listen to the instant reaction you know that i'm i was fucking destroyed after watching you know him lose his his daughter but i think now he's all business we're gonna get more plot development in terms of the political plot oswald gina jack you know everything else that has to do with you know the political climate and and seeing where that's going to go forward and it's going to set it up perfectly for the penultimate episode and the season finale, I cannot wait. So season four is pivotal. I mean, episode four is a pivotal episode for this season's well-being. A lot of people are not happy with the season because there's not a lot of violence. And I don't even know why you watch this show if it's only for the violence. This season has been phenomenal. Well, we can't wait for it. There's no title episode for... 6.4 yet and we cannot wait to hit you up on sunday as always check us out on patreon.com slash by order of peaky josh and i do a weekly deep dive that will i in my opinion probably hover around this boswell barwell situation and the confusion that might arise from it um and a couple other loose ends from this episode so we'll wrap this one up for josh i'm daniel we binge see you on Monday.